Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue our conversation with an incredibly accomplished professional, executive coach, and thought leader who is here to continue our conversation about what leadership looks like in the wake of COVID-19. It is my pleasure to welcome Amy Barnard-Bond back to the show. Amy is an executive coach, strategic advisor, and keynote speaker who specializes in accelerating the success of compliance and legal executives. A former Fortune Global 50 executive, her clients include Adobe, Gap, Lyft, Bank of the West, Beringer Ingelheim, Chegg, and The Nature Conservancy. Amy previously shaped company culture and strategic initiatives as an executive at companies such as McKesson and Allianz. Amy has been described by Forbes as one of the top coaches for legal and compliance executives. It is my pleasure to welcome Amy Barnard-Bond back to the show. Thanks. It's great to be back. So I really loved the first part of our conversation. We were talking about a lot of issues relating to COVID and leading and being led within that context. Why don't we shift gears a little bit and explore your experiences with clients and what you find in terms of where their careers get tripped up typically or derailed and how does a crisis like COVID exacerbate their challenges? There are a number of ways that people get tripped up, but you have hit the nail on the head with regard to, we've all got things that can trip us up, what I'll call derailers. And the most effective leaders become aware of what their derailers are, and then they create coping strategies to mitigate them so that when they happen, they know what to do. Because derailers were kind of programmed and wired a certain way and they never, we can never eliminate them. So it's a matter of being aware of the triggers, the conditions that can trigger our derailer, and then immediately being able to shift as quickly as possible to the mitigating strategy that we have in place. So I would say, starting with that as a foundation, the biggest issue that leaders have is number one, not being aware of their derailer, just kind of being on autopilot, being complacent, not being aware of how they show up. Mm-hmm. And then the second is is the hard work on owning it, being accountable for that derailer, and then working on it. And everyone has a different time frame on how long you know that takes them to do. But that's that's often what I really focus the most of my attention on because I will get very successful people as my clients who have usually in their later part of their careers, they're already executives or they want to get on a board of directors or they want to hit the C-suite and they're high potential. But what, what got them to where they are is not going to get them to where they want to be. And so they have to make a shift. And usually they've either realized that because they're hitting a, um, a stall in their career, they're hitting a ceiling and they just realize, gosh, I'm just, you know, I've been a VP forever or I've, you know, just not hitting that next level, right? Or they're given feedback saying, we love you. We think you're great. You've got all the technical skills to knock this out of the park. But there's this one thing you're doing that will 
not enable you to make it to the next level of leadership. And so that's what we wind up working on. So some examples of those, you know, are this can happen with a lot with attorneys and with what I would call other knowledge workers where they're so smart and they know so much and they've been rewarded all their career on being right and getting the right answer or negotiating hard for the best deal for their organization or clients. And then when they want to move to the C-suite, it's actually not about that anymore. The technical skills are the ticket to the game. It's what gets you in the, in the pool, the candidate pool for the job, but it's not what gets you the job. What gets you the job is knowing how to work well with others. It's not that technical skill anymore. That's very hard for really smart, technically minded professionals, IT people, lawyers, doctors, I find or scientists are, are some of the toughest because it's a real leadership shift to move what I would call from me to we. They're so focused on, I'm coaching someone right now and the CEO just said, you know, we love this person. We brought them in from the outside. They're amazingly skilled and they can knock it out of the park, but no one wants to work with them. Yeah, that's that's tragic. When you have somebody who's got that level yeah. of talent who people just say, I can't work with this person. Yeah, this person came from a culture that was direct, blunt, and all about results. And that's great. And that, that works for some cultures. But then they moved to a company that is more of a play nice culture, more of a velvet glove culture, a little bit more indirect, a little bit more finessing and, and a diplomatic. And it's two years in and, you know, I'm, I'm being brought in to, to please save this situation. And I love working with people like this because they're so smart and this client is completely accountable and aware and we're working through it to rehabilitate those relationships. So that's one example. And it's all about the relationships. That's the thing that a lot of people, I think, don't get. I, I did a webinar on, and I created this leadership tool earlier this year and I'm uh, doing some webinars for people on it. And this one private open Q&A at the end, usually, and this person asked a question on, when are we ever going to have it where popularity doesn't win over results? And that's said, the million dollar you know, question, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I was like, you know, I think this is the wrong question. I didn't say that actually on this uh, masterclass, but I said, I said, you know, promotion is is ultimately always partly about the relationships. So yes, it's about the results and I could see how it could come across as popularity. But if you're ignoring your relationships and if you don't already have sponsorship, you're not going to get the promotion. People, yes, they need someone who gets results and they want someone they feel they can you know, go out and have a beer with or, or hang out and really be a full business partner who has all of the operations and the business best interests at heart. And to do that, I find, Tina, there's, there's a certain shift that happens behaviorally where people either get it or they, or, they, or they don't, which is it's not about your subject matter expertise anymore. It's about how you fit into the greater part of the whole, right? Gen- general counsels will tell you when they were promoted, this is one of the biggest shifts they have to make is whether if they were the M&A lawyer that was promoted, if they were the transactions or the employment lawyer and they get the GC job, going to those executive team meetings, they get it. It's a whole shift to thinking about the entire business, not just the legal department, right? And how can they pivot and how does it fit into the whole? And so on a micro level, that's it's the same thing with, with how you're showing up with relationships. So 
Well, and you and I could probably spend days just on this <laughs> part could, of the conversation, right? I mean, That's talking okay. about yep. lessons learned and stuff like that. And I would, I'm totally going to ask you to come back and we'll further explore these and other issues because I have a lot of observations. You know, you and I are, are peers and I'm sure we could spend a lot of time going through different examples, which I think there's a lot of value to. There's nothing like watching some of these dynamics unfold. And sometimes the most valuable lessons you learn, particularly in contexts like this, is what not to do in a particular situation. Yes. So how, if we are going to and you know individually assess our careers in a time of uncertainty like this which i think a lot of people are right now what should we be focused on in terms of our self assessments to ensure that whatever path we end up taking is a successful one going forward i would you know on a on a tactical level be looking at finances and, you know, short-term, that kind of thing. I know some people are thinking about, do they make a career change? Is, is now time to be thinking about that? And that's a very personal decision around kind of where you are right now. But for people who are happy where they are and want to just keep growing the business, I would say it's a great time to double down around, in, around solidifying your influence and your power network. And that can also be the case externally. So internally, I'd say, you know, having a strong network is is really key to being informed of current business challenges and the revenue generating strategies that you need to have to be viewed as as strategic and to be kept in that leadership loop. And so, one exercise that I could recommend to people is to make a list of their top five stakeholders and set up a time with them every couple of weeks. Maybe ask them three questions. You know, what is their toughest challenge right now? How can you help? And then one thing that helps on many levels is asking them, what one thing can you do to be more effective in your role? And then taking that and just listening, getting getting clarification or context or examples if you need it, and then working on that. Those three questions right are always important, but I think right now it, it is helpful because it shows a lot of things. It shows empathy for, for their situation. It gives you partnership because you know what their challenges are and what their fears or concerns might be. And then it shows some courage and humility around wanting to constantly be a better leader. And for people who might not be aware of how they're showing up or who might not have that, that sense of self-awareness of potential derailers we just talked about, that's a great way to begin thinking about, about derailers. And, and I have some you know, good resources and books and things I could recommend for folks to do on that if they want to dig a little bit deeper. That's great. So in the process of going through this thinking and strategizing, what would you say to people who come to the conclusion that given that this whole COVID-19 pandemic is going to be with us in some shape or form for a while, and we're living in very uncertain times, what would you say to folks who are thinking about making a career change in the midst of all of this? Would you recommend people do that? It depends on your personal finances. It depends on how bad things are in your current situation. And bad can, to me, mean two or three things. Number one, you are suffering extreme work stress and it is you know, at risk of impacting your health. I would do everything you 
can to get out of there. <laughs> you know, you, you would never want to, to stay in a place. It, it's never worth your health. Right. And so if you can afford to do that, um, and that, that's a different question for every person. I can't make that for people, but I would get out and take the time. I've done that at different points in my career. We talked about when I left my law firm. We talked about when I took a break from my executive role at McCusson and then wound up getting an even better one. It can be a really... I recommend to everyone that periodically in your career, you pause, step back and take a 50,000 foot view of where you've been and where you're going and what you've learned and what patterns begin to emerge around the decisions you've made, good and bad, and then try to see what excites you and what I, I would encourage everyone to be thinking these days about about the, their day at the end of the day. Think about was your best moment of the day, and when it's work related, think about why that is, and that will help guide you around what your purpose is and where you get flow and whether you're in the right place and, and where you might want to go next. Even if it's going to take a few years to get there, you may find, oh gosh, I want to do this. I just talked to someone last night who wants to move into corporate social responsibility and, and they're going to need to make a couple of pivots to get there. So it's going to be potentially like a, a three-year journey team that collect some of the skills they need, but they can start now. The great opportunity is some of us, not everyone, but some of us have extra time right now because our schedules are freed up. We're not on an airplane all the time. What about you? But I was traveling half the time. So it's a great time to set some long range goals and take stock and think about, okay, I can't just tomorrow shift into this job, but three years from now, I want to. So what can I do now? What little pivots can I make? What kind of a network do I need for that? Do I want to get on the phone with people for 15 minute informational interviews right now? Because people are more available. People are more in open to being in relationship right now, I've found. And this are, it's a great time to build your network for, for where you want to be. Well, and your advice is really great. And it's interesting because I've had conversations with a number of people who believe that because of this environment, it's hard to forge new relationships. And I think that what you just said is an invitation to our listeners to look for ways to in an innovative way, develop relationships with people just because you can't be in front of them in person doesn't mean that you can't do outreach and that you can't, you know, do a video introduction with them. Yes. And if it's your goal to make a pivot, don't get discouraged. Not everyone is going to say yes. Not everyone is going to have time. But if you make a commitment to yourself of set a goal, let's say I'm going to reach out to five new people each week, or I'm going to ask friends for five introductions in the network. It's never been easier with, with the transparency that LinkedIn offers us. We are growing up in a time of exceptional opportunity to know second, third, fourth degree connections and to be able to make the ask. And if you just have your goal as reaching out five times, as opposed to I have to build five relationships this week. That's overwhelming. That's, that may not happen. So set a goal that's realistic and that's doable and reward yourself just for sticking with it. It's that discipline, Tina, that enables pivots. I've, I've, had to, I've pivoted a lot in my career and, and it's just 
from keeping at it, not getting discouraged, recognizing that half the time I might fail or half the time I'm not going to be able to make that one connection. But if I try for five, half of them are going to come through. My, my, one of my favorite quotes that we can potentially you know, leave people with is people, you know, some people have a view, glasses half full, right? Oh, that person's always lucky. You know, why is it, why is it always, you know, bad things happen to me, right? Well, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. So now's the time to prepare. And if you prepare, I guarantee you whenever this lifts or when there are exceptional opportunities, which will happen for some people, despite all this crisis, because change is happening all the time. And that means opportunity for some people. I guarantee you'll get lucky. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. One observation I'd like to make, not to be the Debbie Downer here, so to speak, but um, <laughs> you know, times like this, I, I think that it's it is that pivoting it, it enables you to grow. If you don't wake up every day with that feeling in your stomach that like I'm outside of my comfort zone, I mean that for me is sort of how I know if I'm continuing to develop and grow. And the pivots that you've made, you're a wonderful example to our listeners about creating a life you love and the journey. It's all about the journey. Obviously, the destination is important too, but it's the journey along the way. And I would just caution our listeners that as you contemplate pivots, you know, listen to what all the all the advice that you would just given the listeners about making sure that you have that infrastructure around you, whether it's financial, emotional, what have you. And understand that given the environment we're living in right now, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unease. So continue on your journey of self-awareness as you figure out what is the best journey for you, but also understand that given the uncertainty and the unease that a lot of people are feeling, don't necessarily point to your career, for example, as being the cause of the unease when it's just the world we're living in right now. You may have the best career in the world, but you may still feel this unease because of the world that we're living in right now. I agree. I would not make rash decisions. It gets back to, you know, don't react. Act, but don't react. Think about it. Be thoughtful. I would recommend try taking little little experiments, little pivots. You know, you can volunteer if, if you think there's something you might like, maybe volunteer or work on a project team to test out before making a big move. That gets more important, especially as we move on in our careers. It's it's easy when you're, you know, in your 20s or 30s to maybe make a mistake or work somewhere for a year, realize, oh, that was a bad mistake and go back in. But as you get into your 40s and 50s and 60s, it, it can get a little uh, more risky to do those. And so I, I'd make a series of little bets before making any huge moves. And you're right, every business cycles through and this is just going to be a tough cycle. And, and so some people are just going to need to stick it out and be resilient and, and look at the things that they do enjoy or find joy in other things besides work potentially. So as people are continuing to make these decisions and contemplating what may be next for them and just really continuing on their journey of self-awareness and growth, when does it make sense to enlist an executive coach to help facilitate that journey? I think when they get stuck, there's a lot you can do on your own, I think. But if you're doing a review of your career and you find that 
there's something that's been dogging you for a while, or if you're given the honest feedback, which unfortunately most many people don't ever get, enlisting a coach can be helpful to do that. I know that one of the number one value adds that I give to clients is I do, I interview their key stakeholders and I get very candid on what they can do to improve. And it's a mediation of, of sorts, which I'm sure many people on this call will be familiar with. Yes. Um, and it works. It's because you get more information and you can come back with that and, and then work with the person. And it's a psychologically safe space because I'm 100% in service to my client, even when an organization is is uh, sponsoring me and organizations know that or they wouldn't hire an outside coach. They would just you know use their internal HR. The, the reason that they do that is they know that the, the change sandbox, as I think of it, the, the, the work that we do, the deep work is a safe space because it's completely confidential and they can tell me anything. And I've been in their shoes usually many times. And so I know what they're dealing with and we work through it. So Amy, we're getting close to the end of the show. And I have a question for you about some things that executives might face during COVID that may feel like an even greater barrier than pre-COVID. So for example, um, you and I were talking about one of my clients that did some recent outreach that were concerned about the possibility that issues relating to diversity and inclusion, which existed pre-COVID, may just get exacerbated even more in the context of COVID. Are there some things that you would like to mention to the audience that sort of fit into this bucket? And do you have any suggestions for our listeners on how to address them? Sure. That's a great one to end on, Tina. I would say, like like you and some of your clients, I have been concerned around the the increased risk around I've already heard from some clients that, that sexual harassment is on the rise. I've worried about how compensation and promotion decisions might, or even hiring decisions, actually, because people are having to hire on Zoom calls. I have one general counsel who's helping out with a CEO search, if you can imagine trying to do that during COVID. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Board, board placement, same thing. It, it's Zoom, uh, or I should say, you know, online. So I worry about perceptions because some people show up better or present better on camera. So that's a concern. And then I worry about employee relations issues like favoritism or you know unfair treatment. If people have a personal relationship, are we going to kind of go back to the bad old days where, where HR wasn't as vigilant or wasn't as involved in the, in the process? Because if they're busy doing layoffs or doing other things, and then so-and-so over here is, is promoting, HR might not have their eyes on it and overseeing that that function, right? As well as, or the GC might, legal might not. So I do worry about that a bit, that there's a distractibility element. And as we know, people, if they aren't conscious about it, tend to hire people like them. So people like us problem. We've seen it with board, with boards. Um, I'm trying to shift that. And so as advice to people to try to eliminate that risk for themselves, number one, I would say, really up your executive presence skills. This is a great time to get better at executive presence. And executive. I love this definition of executive presence from the Center for Creative Leadership. It is boiled down to three things that everyone can learn. One is presentation skills. Presentation skills is about 70% of executive presence. The second is gravitas, which we talked a little bit about earlier, 
think maybe it was on the first part of this podcast, and that is around staying calm and cool under pressure. And that's about 20% of executive presence. Appearance is about 10%. And that's really around being well-groomed and dressing appropriately for your workplace culture. Whatever that's shifted to probably involves pants. Exactly. Would be, <laughs> would be our, our uh, you know, early COVID learnings. And then I would say stay visible. Continue to build your network. Have good sponsors outside of just your boss. Have really strong peer relationships. People, Tina, really underestimate... If there's one thing I've learned from doing 360 reviews on people is that your peer group is the most judgmental of, of you, whatever your peer group is, because you're kind of competing a little bit. You might be friends, but you're also kind of competing potentially for that next job. And they are the most critical. It's been linked and proven through research. They're the most critical to you getting promoted because ultimately you might be leading them one day. You might be promoted over them, right, to be general counsel or in the C-suite. So it's very important that they support your leadership and that they will help you be successful. And and then there's that judgment. So I would say, get that sponsorship, work with others, get good on camera, and really focus on, on your results and making sure that you're getting credit for your work. And there are right ways to do that. And then there's obnoxious ways to do that. That could be a whole other conversation, <laughs> right? It's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance, but there's some great resources you know, online around how to be diplomatic, but still make sure that you are getting the credit you deserve. And sometimes that may be an email now or mm-hmm. on a face-to-face with your boss just saying, oh, I got this great compliment, forwarding it from a client, you know, forwarding it from uh, one of their peer group. Very important to do right now when we are not day-to-day able to just walk around and see everyone. Great advice and a lot more topics for us to cover the next time that we get together. So do you have any final thoughts for our listeners and where can they find you? Gosh, final thoughts. I would just say, you've got this. Stay strong. We will get through this. And good luck with all the tough calls everyone is making. I have tremendous empathy for what people are going through right now. And in terms of finding me, I'm on LinkedIn. My website is www.barnardbond.com. Com. I have tons of free leadership resources, plus the promotability index that I created, which is a free self-assessment. It's 80 questions and you can take it and it gives you the five key elements that get you promoted. And I've been getting wonderful feedback from people on it. So that's, that's exciting for people that, that they can leverage. Well, I definitely have to take that assessment. <laughs> um, I was actually reading about it and uh, very intrigued by it. So that will definitely be something I'm going to be doing soon. So thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It was just a a terrific conversation and a great start to what I know will be conversations in the future. I hope that you'll come back. I would love to, Tina. And thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed our interview with Amy Barnard-Bond. And we hope that you will join us for our show next week. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.